tell you. Well, we had a service this morning, didn't we? Yes. Praise God. I had a bunch of you coming up to me and telling me this morning, and then tonight again, some of you coming up. Somebody said, man, after hearing this morning, I need to study the whole book of Daniel. <laughs> well, like Brother Hagin said, and we say it all the time, the more you learn, the more you see you don't know. And then it makes you hungry for more, right? Praise God. Thank you. We're all learning, right? We're all, we're all learning. Hallelujah. Well, everybody have a good afternoon. Why can't I see you guys? I got these spotlights in my eyes, I guess, huh? So uh, I guess we have to have them on for the, for the camera, right? Hey, group out there in TV land and live stream land, glad to have you with us as well. Praise God. One of my partners, one of our partners back in, uh, he lives in close to Savannah, or close to Augusta, Georgia. No, Savannah, Georgia. He lives close to Savannah, Georgia. He, a lot of times, watches live stream when he's at, uh, uh, at home, when we're out on the road. Last weekend, we were in Cheyenne, Wyoming. No, last weekend, we were in Greeley, Colorado, the weekend before Cheyenne, Wyoming. And uh, he was joining us. So I don't know if he's watching us or not, but some of our partners do that as well. So we love it when church is live stream. You know, it's just great that we're getting it out, uh, getting the word of God out more than just to us, right? So it's good news. I'm glad you all came back. We had a bunch come back tonight, so that's good. That means you all are hungry. Say, go ahead and say, I'm hungry. I didn't say hungry. I said hungry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. After uh, seeing the the three dudes in Daniel this morning use their faith for the kind of thing they went through, I think we can use our faith for anything. We got it better off than they do, right? We saw in Hebrews 8, 6 this morning, we live under a better covenant established on better promises. So if they can believe God, we can believe God, right? So so I'm going to talk to you about their kind of faith tonight. Um. I'm going to just give you, you know, we're going to go in the New Testament. We're in the Old Testament this morning, but we saw that they operated in faith the whole time. They said, if you throw us in the burning fire furnace, our God will deliver us. And if you don't throw us in the furnace, we're not bound down to your God. So, so that's the way we're standing with God, right? And so if they can do it, we can. So faith, when you get into the New Testament, there's a Greek word that's translated faith almost every time, talking about when he talks about faith, and that's the word pistis. Faith, my definition in essence, is a belief in God, His Word, and His ways that persuades us to say and do everything God says, especially in the face of contradictory circumstances. So that's my definition of faith, and um, I'll say it again for those I saw some writing down. It's It's a belief in God, His Word, and His ways that persuades us. To believe, to say, to do everything God says, especially when uh, everything contradicts in the contradictory circumstance, right? It's easy to believe God when nothing's going wrong. (laughs) Oh, I'm in faith. I believe God. Well, yeah, but you're not fighting any battles right now. So if you're going through something, that's when we have to uh, be persuaded that it doesn't matter what it looks like or feels like or sounds like, bless God. We, We have a sixth sense. We don't have to operate by our five physical senses, we go by the sixth sense, sixth sense called faith. And so we believe in God's Word. And we can believe, Romans 12, 3 uh, says that God's given every one of us the same measure. Nobody gets a, a bigger measure than anybody else. God's no respecter of persons. He all, he all gives us uh, a portion of His faith, and the portion is big enough to move any mountain of problem, any mountain-sized problem that ever comes into your life. Amen. You have enough faith. In fact, God says the fa- out of the faith he gave you, if you just use a mustard seed size of that faith, it's enough to move a mountain or any problem. So it's not that you need more faith. You just need to use the faith. Amen. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about different levels or different degrees of faith, but it, it's not really, when you look at them, it's really not... Uh, the fact that somebody has more faith than somebody else, it's just somebody's using more of the faith God gave them than somebody else. That's what it boils down to. But you, but you can see the different levels that it talks about. Little faith, no faith, weak faith, vain faith. If you look that up in the Greek, it's unproductive. So unproductive faith, dead faith, shipwrecked faith, and failing faith. Those are all the one degrees. And then the opposite of those are great faith full of faith, strong faith, sincere faith, growing faith, established faith, and steadfast faith. 
So how many of you want to be part of the O ye of Little Faith Club? Don't raise your hand yet, honey. <laughs> no, I think you want to be part of the O ye of Great Faith Club. All right. <laughs> well, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at a verse that's familiar probably with most of us, if not all. But uh, how many of you know we don't know it all? We can learn more, right? That's the cool thing about God's Word. It's why I've laid my life down for God's Word is because I realize God's Word is not the ink, the pages, the leather, or the electronics, however we look at a Bible now. That's not God's Word. It contains God's Word. It shows us what God's Word says. But God's Word is Jesus. God's Word is alive. God's Word is powerful. And it's, it's always producing life. And so you need to be thinking about that. We need to get people, and, and the Lord's really been having me um, get in on that more and more these last couple of years, just trying to help people understand when you're reading the Bible, you're looking at Jesus, you're hearing Jesus, you're seeing as though it's Jesus standing there talking to you. Don't just say, oh, don't, don't, don't give me the word, don't preach the scripture, don't give me the Bible. No, you're talking about rejecting Jesus. You don't want to do that. We're talking about living bread here. Jesus said, you can't live on natural food alone, and, and we know that our bodies have to. He said, but you're going to live. If you really want the life, the abundant life I came, you've got to live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Yes. That's life. That's Jesus. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Can I hear an amen? amen. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He that comes to God. Now, that's not talking about unbelievers. A lot of people interpret that, oh, well, God's talking about when you come to God, you got to believe he is. But that's not talking to unbelievers. This is written to the Hebrew Christians. So this is written to Christians that have already come to God and believe they're saved. They've already come to God and believed he is the Savior, right? So this is talking about he that comes to God... After you're saved, which shows us that we can come to God. Obviously, we're supposed to come boldly to the throne of grace, right? So we still come to God. It's just we don't have to go far. Because <laughs> he's on the inside of you. You take him everywhere you go. And that's something else we need to do. We need to be like John G. Lake and look in the, look in the mirror every morning and say, God lives in that man or God lives in that woman. By the way, there's only two genders. We'll move right along. So... Um, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently. So he that comes to God must believe that he is. Well, we already believe he's the Savior. This isn't written to those that are not, not saved. So this is written to those that we already believe he's the Savior. So what is it that we're supposed to believe he is? Well, it's the same as when you came to him as Savior. You had to believe he is the Savior. So what are you coming to God for? What are you needing him to be in your life? He is whatever he says he is. If he says, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals thee, then you have to believe he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals thee. If he says, I am Jehovah Shalom, the Lord your peace, then you have to believe he is the Lord my peace. Not he's going to be, not he was, not someday. No, he is, is his present tense. I have to believe he is. If he says, I am the Lord Jehovah Sidkenu, then he is, is your righteousness. He's not going to be, he already is. You are already righteous with his righteousness. So we have to believe he is, not that he was or that he will be. We have to believe that he is. And of course, I quoted it a minute ago. In fact, we'll just turn back there. Go back to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and verse number 16 so it says, he that cometh to God. Well, here in Hebrews 4, 16, let us come boldly. So now it's going to help us understand faith more. In fact, this whole fourth chapter talks about faith. It's going to help us understand coming to God and believing he is, and then be able to experience the reward of those that diligently seek him. He said, uh, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Well, you can't come boldly if you're not coming boldly for who he is. Because, you know, we've always heard the statement for many years, those of us that have been around this for years, maybe you haven't been around long, but we, we heard the statement, faith begins where the will of God is known. You can't believe, in other words, you can't believe beyond actual knowledge. If you don't know, for me, for example, I, I got saved at a youth camp when I was 13 years old, 
but I had an incurable disease at that time. From the time just a little kid till I was 13, I got saved. I still had this incurable disease. I was on three medications every single day. The doctors told me it was incurable. They said it wasn't terminal, won't kill you, but uh, you'll never be healed of it. So they gave me medication. They said you can take it the rest of your life. Well, at 22 years of age, so this is you know, from 13 to 22, all these years later, I finally went to a church like this and I found out that God is not only a savior, but he is a healer. I never believed he is. I believed he, he, he was a healer, but when he walked the earth, but I heard that healing and miracles been done away with that all ceased when the last apostle died. So I didn't believe he is, but I believed he is a savior. So I got saved. You couldn't talk me out of that. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. But you know what I finally found out a number of years ago? I finally found out that salvation is not a ticket to heaven. Come on. Salvation is not some golden ticket that you're going to take with you. And when you die and leave your body, you're going to show up at the pearly gates and say, Peter, look, I got my ticket. That's not what salvation is all about. Salvation is eternal life that you get to start experiencing the moment you get saved. So as soon as you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, eternal life is imparted to you spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, maritally, socially, every realm. Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say almost. (laughs) He said, it's finished. So all of that's already been provided for. He doesn't have to come and shed his blood again for any other, anything that, that we have to face. Peter said it this way. He said in 2 Peter, he said, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that pertains to our life, our money, our marriage, everything that pertains to life and godliness, that's living holy and righteously before God. All those has already been given to us, but it comes through the knowledge of Jesus. Yeah. So I was so glad that I finally came to God when I found out, when I started going to that little church out in Odessa, Florida, and it was just like a pastor like you have here that was preaching the truth. I started hearing the truth that Jesus is a healer today and that it's God's will to heal all. Whether everybody gets healed or not, it's the same as everybody doesn't get saved, but it's still God's will to save everybody. God so loved the world, but the world doesn't so love God, (laughs) right? So God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, but he didn't make people puppets so he doesn't make anybody get saved. So people have to receive Jesus. And there is only one God. He is the only way. There's not many gods. There's not many ways to heaven. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. And God so loved people that he made that way that anyone... And here's the cool thing. Because God laid all of the world's sins on Jesus, he's not holding any of them against any sinner. That's why you were able to get saved because you didn't have to do everything right and make everything right and stop doing this and start doing this and stop doing this. You didn't have to do any of that to get saved. All you had to do is accept Jesus. Up in Cheyenne, I gave him the math equation of Jesus plus you doing anything equals zero. Yeah, Jesus plus you having to do anything to earn your salvation equals nothing. You are nothing. But Jesus plus nothing, you doing nothing, equals everything. You get all of heaven. That's God's math. (laughs) Totally different than ours, isn't it? (laughs) So I finally learned that it was God's will to heal all, and then I just received my healing and threw all that medication away. That's been decades ago since, and I've been healed ever since. So I'm thankful that I finally found out he is what he says he is. Amen. 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 And the devil wants to keep us ignorant of that. He wants to make sure you don't believe he is. Oh, you believe he was. Yeah, he used to do that, but now he doesn't do anymore. No, he still does it. He does everything that he's, he does. God doesn't change. If he is, I am that I am, then he still is that he is. <laughs> Amen. So come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly. Come with confidence. Come with assurance. You have to find out. I couldn't come to God with boldness about him healing my body when I didn't know he had already done it. Once I found out he did it, I came with assurance. Right? 1 John 5 says this is the confidence, boldness, assurance that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then if we know he hears us, then we know we have what we've prayed for. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. So we have to know 
if it's his will. Well, I found out it was his will because at the cross he bore our sickness. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, surely he bore our sickness and by his stripe blow bruise we are already healed. 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripe we already are healed. And that on the tree the same time he bore our sins is when he took the stripe from God that healed our bodies. Jesus bore it for us. Matthew 8, 17, Jesus bore all my sickness, all my disease, and all my body malfunction. That's part of what Jesus bore. He didn't just bear sickness and disease and then let your body fall apart. No, he bore everything that would destroy the body. So that includes body malfunction. That means my body is going to function perfectly all the days of my life. God didn't promise me long existence. He promised me long life. And if you'll study out that word life, it doesn't mean exist and just barely squeak through. No, it means, bless God, enjoy it all, all the benefits. Just like Moses at 120, he still was standing strong and straight and tall with no sickness, no disease, no aches, no pains, perfect eyesight. Come on. Hallelujah. And we have it better off than he did. So come boldly, come with confidence, come with assurance to the throne of grace. Well, that shows you right there is why you're coming boldly because it's all on grace. How did you get saved? By grace, you got saved through faith. Look up that word saved in Ephesians 2, 8. It's the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O. It means saved, delivered, preserved, protected, healed, made whole. It's a complete salvation. It's the sum total of all the blessings of God bestowed on man by, by God in Christ and through the Holy Spirit. So the, all, the, all the blessings. Salvation's a package. It's a complete deal that we get to enjoy. And he said, come boldly, but it's going to be to the throne of grace, not to your throne of what you did. Amen. 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 It's not based on what I did, but it's all based on what Jesus did, or it's not the throne of grace. By grace, you got saved, right? Well, how did, how did we do that? Well, we confessed with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believed our heart God raised him from the dead. Oh, that's how we got saved, and it had nothing to do with me. Oh, it was all by grace. By grace, I got saved through faith. By grace, you get healed through faith. By grace, you prosper through faith. It has to be by grace. And if it's by grace, then you have to go back to the cross and see what Jesus did at the cross and through the resurrection. That's the way it has to be with everything. Or it's not going to be the throne of grace. And then you won't have confidence and boldness. We're talking about the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you got greater faith than they do. Wow. Hallelujah. Come boldly to the throne of grace and that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need that you may obtain mercy. And well, we all need mercy, don't we? (laughs) If it wasn't for the mercies of God, we'd all be what consumed. We'd all be dead. (laughs) Well, thank God for his mercy. We all need his mercy. And uh, this says we can get mercy when we come with boldness, but it's all based on grace. So we're coming based on what Jesus already did for us, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I like that phrase, in time of need. He doesn't exclude any time, T-I-M-E, of need. He doesn't exclude any time of need. So he has to be including all needs, spiritual, physical, financial, you name whatever area of your life you have a need, he has to be including it all because he didn't exclude any of them. He didn't say in a time of physical need or in a time of financial need. No, he said in time of need. So anytime you have a need, then it's included right here. You can come boldly, but it has to be to the throne of grace. Okay, I'm coming based on what you already did, Jesus, for me. So I receive this answer to this problem right now based on what you've already done. So it's finished. Here's, here's, let me give you, uh, and I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the word. This is what has put me through when it comes to faith, the faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and the faith that's mentioned in Hebrews 11 that we're just reading, if you come to God. This is what's put me through tests and trials and hardships. When you go through things, whether it's with people that it just looks like it's never going to straighten out and things are just getting worse and worse. Here's what I've always done with my personal walk with God. Since I know I have to base it on the throne of grace, then I do this. Whenever I'm entering a test or trial, I look at the end from the beginning. This is what my father God did. So he taught me this. I'm like a chip off the old block. (laughs) And so are you. Supposed to be. So daddy God taught me. He said, so you always look at the end and you see the victory. 
That's the throne of grace. You've always got the victory at the end. So then you enter the test or trial with your eyes looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And so you're always looking to Jesus, knowing that it doesn't matter what happens from here to there. I know I win. So by knowing that, it gives me confidence, assurance that if I need mercy, mercy's flowing. And I know I need grace, and grace is flowing. So thank God I've got the grace that's helping me in the time of need, and it keeps me strong through it so that I don't waver. And then I'm not moved by what I see or what I feel or what I hear, what it looks like. And you can ask my wife. She'll hear us in the middle of storms, and I'll still speak something positive. She's been with me for 42 years. Amen. Ask her. <laughs> I just refuse to look at the negative, even though it's all around us all the time. <laughs> and we're being fed it all the time. But I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith and your faith, by the way. But you have to make that choice for yourself. But if you'll do that, when you think that when you think you're going through this storm that's about to overwhelm you and just you can't take it anymore, just stop and think, wait a minute, he's already given me the victory. He's already made me an overcomer. He's already made me more than a conqueror. He's already caused me to rule and reign in life, so I'm just going to start looking at the end of this. I already know that even though it feels like I'm not going to win, even though it looks like I'm being overrun and, and, and stomped down right now, I know I win. So, Father, I come boldly to your grace and your throne, and I just receive what you've already given me, the victory over this situation. Thank you for it, Lord. And then you walk it out, and you act like it's true, whether it looks like it or feels like it. You do it. This isn't part of my message, by the way. I'm just flowing with the Holy Ghost, so I hope that's okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So he says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace. Really, this is talking about uh, coming boldly to the throne of grace. It's really this whole chapter. In fact, let's, let's go back because this whole chapter, and we'll just pick out some certain verses for time's sake because we don't have time to teach it all. But let's go back to verse 1. And let's talk about this kind of faith that pleases God. Because without faith, you just read it in Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please him, right? So we all want to operate in faith. We want to please God. You want to hear, well done, not well, you're done. <laughs> right? You want to hear, well done. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear, well. Huh. Well, hmm. <laughs> you don't want him to, to be pausing after the word well. Well, hmm. No, you want to hear well done. Hallelujah. So go back to verse 1. Therefore, since I'm reading from the New King James, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. What's that? Oh, so where, where was I? You're, you're witnessing a sign and a wonder. She's making signs as I'm wondering what she's saying. So anyway, <laughs> therefore, it's a promise of entering into, we're in Hebrews chapter four in case, I don't know what she was asking me anyway. So Hebrews Four one says, since, we, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any seem to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Talking about the children of Israel. Us, not the children of Israel, but to them was the children of Israel. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with what? Faith in those that heard it. Now, if you remember in Numbers chapter 13, this is a good reference to that. The children of Israel were told in Hebrews chapter 13, or in Numbers chapter 13, to go into the land, search the land, which I give to you. 
You remember that in, he, in Numbers 13 too? God actually told him he gave them the land before they ever went in. So he said, go search the land, which I give to you. He didn't say, go search the land, see if you're smart enough, strong enough, whatever. He didn't say any of that. He said, go search the land. I've, I've already given it to you. So it was theirs before they went in. In other words, it was supposed to be a scouting trip to see the blessings of God. It was the promised land. Go check it out and then come back and say, God, you are amazing what you gave us. Even though there's giants in there, this is what's more amazing. You said you gave it to us, so that means you'll take care of the giants. Well, two of them said that. The other ten didn't. So anyway, um, they were told to go search the land. The majority of the children of Israel did not, as this says, did not mix their faith with what God said. The word that God speaks to you has to be mixed with faith if it's going to work for you. Remember, it didn't work for that generation that did not mix faith. Like it says right here, they didn't mix their faith with it. So they died before entering into the promised land. But you and I, we can, we can walk right into the promises, but we got to mix faith. So what does it mean to mix faith or mix your faith with the word? Well, I looked up the word mix, and it means to commingle, or the Greek says to combine or to assimilate. So to commingle, combine, assimilate. So that means when you hear the word, you have to uh, attach your faith to that word that you heard and then keep it there until it commingles, until it combines or assimilates, and that's when it ends up profiting you. In other words, it profits you. You actually see the fruits of what that faith is, is producing. So I made the statement. I said, you got to attach your faith to the word and keep it there. So how do you keep your faith attached to the word so that it commingles, so that it combines, so that it assimilates? Well, the next verse tells us, verse 3 tells us how when you combine it with verses 1 and 2. So I'm going to take verses 1 and 2 because remember the Bible is never written in verses chapter. So, so I'm going to take these three verses, kind of combine them together so you can see how you commingle and mix your faith so that it stays there and then uh, you get the desired result. Verse 1 says you have to enter his rest. The promises, since a promise remains of entering into his rest. So you have to enter his rest. But they, the word that they heard did not profit them, verse 2, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. So when you hear it, you got to mix it with faith. For we which who have believed, verse 3, we which who have believed, what does that mean? Used our faith. Those of us who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Talking about the children of Israel. Although, watch this, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So notice he said, they were supposed to enter in my rest. So if you believe in Jesus, you believe in what he does, this is saying you're supposed to enter into the rest. But the rest, it goes on to tell you, is that the works, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So what are you resting in? You're resting in the finished works of Jesus. You're actually resting in what Jesus already did for you through his death and through his resurrection. And that was actually accomplished in God before the world began. The foundation of the world, right? So here's where I'm seeing a lot of situations where people, whether they're in the faith camp, grace camp, Pentecostal camp, no matter what camp they're in, if they're not understanding that faith is all in Jesus and what he's already done and not resting in that, then their faith becomes a struggle and they wonder why it's not working. Faith is not a struggle. Faith is a rest. If you want your faith to work, it has to rest. In fact, that's really what the good people have gotten confused in Timothy, the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith is shutting your stupid brain up. The good fight of faith is telling all those doubts and fears and, and all this stuff that comes against your thought realm to come into captivity to the obedience of Christ, right? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, we don't wrestle, or that's, that's Ephesians, but we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, right? Every thought, I mean, our imaginations, every thought that doesn't come in line up with the word of God, we've got to cast it down. And so this says, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Go, go down to verse 9. It says, there remains therefore a rest. Everybody say rest. rest. 
there, there remains therefore a rest to us, the people of God, to God's people. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, that's you and me. I'm not having to work to get healed. I'm not having to do anything to earn my healing or get healing. I'm not having to work to get money or get he- uh, uh, re- receive financial blessing. All I have to do is put my faith in what Jesus did and rest. Yes. Keep it there. Keep it there. Keep it there. Interesting, that word keep. Um, man, you see it all throughout the scriptures. I mean, even in Proverbs 4, you know, uh, uh, Proverbs 4.20, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. And then the word keep uh, in the next verse, the 23rd verse, keep your heart with all diligence. I found out that Hebrew word is the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis, the second chapter, when God told Adam to keep, keep the garden, which include. if you look up the word keep, it means to guard and protect. Guard and protect. Interesting. I mean, everything was perfect with Adam and Eve, and yet God told them, you better guard and protect that tree, which they did not do. But he said, you better guard and protect the whole garden, which means you have an enemy. God was trying to warn them, you're going to have to resist. Going to have to believe. Go ahead and guard and protect the garden. Keep it. Not from yourself, but from the enemy. Right? Right? So anyway, there remains a rest. We've got to stay, stay there. We've got to stay in that rest. There's a rest to the people of God. For he who has entered the rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did. So what does it mean to cease from our own works? We have to cease from trying to get something Jesus already got for us. We have to cease doing something Jesus already did for us. We have to cease from trying to become what Jesus has already made us. So many people are still trying to earn approval. Well, God, God won't heal me. I got to do this, this, and this. And God won't love me. And God won't answer my prayers. And God won't do this. Not understanding God's already done it. And you can't do anything to earn it. You have to put all of your faith in Jesus. All of your marbles in one bag. (laughs) Amen. His name is Jesus. That's how you got saved. In Colossians 2, 6, you know what Colossians 2, 6 says? The way you receive Christ Jesus is the way you walk in him. The same way you receive Christ. Well, how did you receive him? By grace through faith. That's how you got saved. So how do you walk it out? Colossians 2, 6 says the way you received him is the way you walk out the rest of your life. Most people don't do that. They get saved by grace, but then when it comes to healing, oh man, I know I have, I've screwed up and I messed up. And why didn't you tell God that when you got saved? Well, because it wasn't based on what I did. Exactly. When you called on Jesus, you didn't say, oh, God, but I know, you know, I'm not good enough and you won't ever save me because I'm going to have to clean up my act before I can come to God. Jesus will turn around and say, no, just come to me and I'll clean up your act. Just accept what I did for you. I'll clean up your act. I already did everything for you. You don't have to do anything except believe. And that'll, then it'll be accounted to you for righteousness. Man, this is good preaching. Glory to God. I'm going to have to get a copy of this recording. It's so good. So we have to cease from trying to become what Jesus already made us. That is ceasing from your works and resting in Jesus' works. That's what this whole chapter is talking about, resting. And when you get to that place where you're resting in the finished work of Jesus, that's when you will come boldly. With confidence and assurance because you won't be judging what you're asking for based on what you have or have not done. Wow. It goes on in verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Diligent lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Talking about the children of Israel. For the word of God, verse 12, the word of God is living. It's alive. And it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I want you to notice verse 11 says, enter God's rest. And then verse 12 starts with the word for. The word for is in the Greek language, pretty much the same as the English language. It's a connector. It's connecting what was just said with what he's getting ready to say. And so he says, you enter rest for the word of God is living and powerful. 
Enter the rest for the word of God is living and powerful. Enter the rest for the word of God is living and powerful. Enter the rest for the word of God is living. Are y'all getting this? He's saying that when you enter into the rest, then you are mixing your faith with the word of God, which releases the living and powerful. It releases the life and power of God into your life. And then you get the desired results of your faith. Wow. But, 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 what is the mixer that causes us, because we have to mix our faith, what's the mixer that causes us to enter into the rest and then stay there so that the word does its work? Because you can't be wavering, you can't enter into the rest and then all of a sudden exit in the turmoil. (laughs) You got to stay there. You got to remain, right? So verse 14 tells us what the mixer is. Look at verse 14. Seeing then... That we have a great high priest, we know we're talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our what? Let us hold fast our confession. King James says profession. This, the Greek word is homologeia, and that's actually talking about acknowledgement. The, the Greek says acknowledgement or confession. So it's talking about the words that we speak. We're supposed to hold fast to our profession, our acknowledgement, the things we're saying, our confession about Jesus and what he's already done for us. That's what we're supposed to hold fast to. But our tongue is the mixer. It's what releases your faith. And when you keep saying what God's word says, it mixes your faith with the word, which causes you to enter into his rest. And then the works that were already finished from the foundation of the world become finished in your life. Pastor, sometimes you say something, you just want to stop and say, see law. I think I'm going to say that all again. Your your tongue is the mixer. So it's what releases your faith. And when you keep saying it, you keep saying the same thing. You don't change it because it looks like the fire was turned up seven times hotter or because the mandate or because of this or whatever. You, You don't stop saying what the word of God says. You keep saying what God's word says. That mixes your faith with the word, which is causes you to enter the rest. And then the works that are already finished by God become finished or evident in your life. Again, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast. There it is. There's where most Christians miss it right there. Holding fast is the indication you're not going to see things instantly change overnight or you wouldn't have to hold fast, right? Plus, not only that, you may be holding fast and feel like you got the victory in that situation and then tomorrow... The devil comes and tries to come up your blind side and hit you in another area of your life. You're going to have to hold fast to the word, even if maybe you got victory in one area, but all of a sudden another area of your life looks like it's falling apart. You're going to have to hold fast. Hold fast. And that tongue's going to be the mixer. So hold fast to your confession. Let's go on in verse 15. Four. Here we go again, another connector. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin, meaning he did not yield to any of the temptations. You know, in Luke chapter 4, when he went out in the wilderness for 40 days and was tempted of the devil, and then it says, at the end of those temptations, the devil came to him. And we get to read about three temptations. We don't get to hear about all the many, 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 many temptations he went through for 40 days. Nothing talks about it anywhere. We don't have those temptations. But at the end of the temptations, it said, then the devil came and tempted him. Three more temptations that we read about. But we know how Jesus handled all the other temptations in the 40 days because of how he handled the three. And he doesn't change. When he was tempted with the three temptations, what did he do? It is written. It is written. It is written. He always spoke the word of God. So he was our example. The Lord told me years ago, he said, Larry, I lived the way I did to show you how you're supposed to live. He was a living example of a 100% human being that was anointed by God. Because Philippians 2 said he laid, all aside, he laid aside his mighty power and glory when he came to earth. That's why you don't see Jesus heal anybody until 30 years of age. He didn't do one single miracle heal anybody until he was 30 when all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came from heaven and anointed him. And God said, 
That's my beloved son when the Holy Ghost came upon him. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Why did God need to anoint Jesus if he was already the divine son of God? He was the divine son of God, but he had no power, no glory. He was 100% human being, just happened to be a perfect one. Because God needed a perfect lamb to redeem the world. So he lived the way he did. So this is what the Lord told me. He said, Larry, I lived the way I did to show you how you're supposed to live. He said, I didn't have to live 33 and a half years. I could have, I could have died, gone to the cross, and bore your, all of that before then. But he said, I, I did three and a half years of public ministry so I could show you how you're supposed to live. But this is what he told me. He said, I lived the way I did to show you how you're supposed to live. Then I died the way I did to enable you to live the way I did. Boy, isn't that good. He said, I, I lived the way I did to show you how you're supposed to live. When you go through the storms, go to the back of the ship and take a nap. Aren't Jesus and the word one? We which believe enter into rest. Oh, well, that's why Jesus went to the back of the ship. Oh, you were resting. You weren't letting your faith get all stirred up and worried about a storm. When your followers thought they were about to die. And you were trying to set an example for them. They should have all come back there instead of waking Jesus up. Jesus, we're about to die. They should have come back there. All of them saw Jesus doing that and said, guys, it's time to take a nap. And they should have joined Jesus. You know what would have happened? The storm would have passed them by. They'd have gotten to the other side because Jesus had already sent his word. We're going to the other side. Because there was a maniac on the other side that needed to be delivered. So the devil was trying to stop them. And fear is what almost stopped him. But thank Jesus, thank Jesus, he got up and showed him how to partake of God's mercy and grace. So we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Whew. So that means you can hold fast your confession about Jesus because he's already faced everything you are ever going to face. What you're facing right now, what you're ever going to face, this says he was in all points tempted, yet without sin. So he's already faced it all, and so you can come boldly to his throne of grace because of that. Wow. And and that brings us up to verse 16. So you're in rest from the finished work of Jesus that were done from the foundation of the world, all planned out, already done. And so Jesus carried it out. The perfect lamb went to the cross. God raised him from the dead after he was separated from God, which is spiritual death. If you'll study the Bible out, spiritual death is just a disconnect. It's a separation. That's when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was disconnected from God because the sins of the world Sin and righteousness cannot connect. They, they can't dwell together. So Jesus was disconnected. He died spiritually from his father. But when God said, it, that's enough, the blood's paid the price, and he raised Jesus from the dead, guess what? He didn't just raise Jesus from the dead. He raised you and me from the dead. That's what makes Jesus' resurrection different than everybody else's resurrection. There were other people raised, Lazarus, other people raised. But Jesus was the first one that was raised with others raised with him. I'm one of them, baby. Woo. Raised, raised with Jesus, seated. Man, you've already got a seat in heaven. And God sees you in it. Think about that. You're duo present. You may not be omnipresent. <laughs> I was preaching one time and I said, think about that. You are like God. You're in more than one place at once. You're omnipresent. My wife was sitting there and said, honey, no, we're not omnipresent. That means you can be everywhere. I said, oh, yeah, you're duo-present. <laughs> good to have a good wife. <laughs> Keep you straight. And then last meeting we were in, I don't know, I said something wrong, and she couldn't get my attention. She said, oh, I'll just have to let him go. <laughs> I meant to say one word, and I said just the opposite. Like I was, I was, I think it was something about God is righteous or, or God is not unrighteous or something. And I said, God is unrighteous. I don't know. It was just a twist. I got the wrong word in there. And, and so she said, honey, you made it sound like God was unrighteous. I said, I did? I didn't know that. So anyway, come boldly. So you can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. Hebrews 11 says, he that comes to God. How do we come to God? We come boldly to the throne of grace with 
your mixer. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Your words mix your faith with the word, who is Jesus. And according to this verse, it releases him to operate as your high priest. What did the high priest do under the new covenant? He went to the presence of God on behalf of God's children. What does Jesus do as high priest of the new covenant? He goes into the presence of God on your behalf. That's why he's called a mediator of a better covenant established on better promise. He goes into the presence of God. When, when you speak the word of God, your words, which is God's word, Jesus takes those words, enters the very presence of God, and presents them on your behalf. When Jesus walks in there with the words that came out of your mouth, God sees you walking in there. Because it's the words that came out of your mouth. And God says, um, that's my word. I have to bring it to pass. I mean, that's what Jeremiah 1.12 says. He watches over his word to bring it to pass. So when God's word is presented to him, he said, yes, amen. Yes, amen. That, anytime you ask, anytime you need something in time of need, because it's based on grace, all the promises of God are. And Yep, yep, you're always going to get a yes, and you're always going to get a so be it. So God watches over his word to make sure it happens in your life. Or as verse 16 says, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mercy is God's compassion. Grace is God's unearned, undeserved favor. Wow. And notice God's mercy and God's grace are available in time of need, whether it's a time of need for healing, a time of need for finances, a time of need for peace, a time of need for joy, a time of need for direction, for wisdom, no matter what the need, if it's a time in your life where you need something, then God's mercy and God's grace is available by faith. And that is the kind of faith we're talking about in Hebrews 11, because this is before he gets there. And when he's writing this long letter to Hebrews, he said, uh, it's impossible to please God without this kind of faith. Amen. This is the kind of faith that Enoch had. This is the kind of faith that the guys in Hebrews, the rest of Hebrews 11 talks about. They believed God. Amen. This is the kind. So let's close tonight over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Is anybody getting anything? Amen. Hallelujah. So I guess the main emphasis tonight is we've got to learn to rest in the finished works of what Jesus already did, not try and getting him to do something he's already done. Oh, God, heal my body. Oh, God, give me the money for this. Oh, God, no. You stop and say, wait a minute. If you've already given me all things that pertain to my life, then I have all the money I need. I have all the health I need. I have all the peace, all the joy I need. I don't have to ask you for those things. I need to start thanking you that you've already given them to me and then rest in what you've done. And that faith, with your words saying those things, mix your faith with the word, and then grace is released and you are empowered to be what you can't be on your own, have what you can't have on your own, and do what you can't do on your own. Second yeah. Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Actually, Paul, in this, in this passage to the Corinthians, he's actually quoting the psalmist. Uh, for those of you taking notice in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 110. Uh, psalm 110, or no, no, it's Psalm 116, verse 10. So he's quoting the psalmist, and here's what he says. We having the same spirit of faith. Now, I thought that's interesting because we can really apply this to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Since the Psalm 116 verse 10, one, uh, verse 10 is talking about them under the old covenant having the spirit of faith. Well, that's what we saw this morning when we studied Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't change what they said or what they believed just because things got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And finally, it got so bad, it looked like there was no way out. But their faith didn't change, and so they tapped in to a grace that you and I can tap into even easier and better. Because Paul's now quoting the psalmist and said, we also have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. So according as it is written shows us he is quoting something from the Old Covenant, from, from the Psalms 116 verse 10. He said, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. Now that's what the psalmist said. So now Paul's going to say, we can also do the same thing. Look what he says at the end. We also what? Believe Believe and therefore. Therefore, we're going to use our mixer. 
We're not going to let this faith stay dormant. Therefore, we are going to speak. So we believe and therefore speak. And what are we speaking? We're speaking what the word says. We're mixing our faith with the word so that we enter into the rest. And then grace flows and look at God getting all the glory and praise for what's going on in my life. People are going to be noticing and saying, man, you go through all this stuff and, and uh, it just doesn't knock you down, man. It's just like you're just praising God the whole way. I had a guy, this, this was so funny, I had a guy walk up to our uh, TV manager, David Wergenis. He was our TV manager for a lot, a lot, a lot of years. He just, we just uh, tra- changed over from David to a new guy. Now we, so we live in Atlanta now, so we've hired somebody locally in Atlanta. And David was so busy with Bob Yandy in ministries. If you know Bob, he's a friend of ours and a pastor that we preached for many times. And Anyway, when David was our TV manager, he had somebody come up. He went to um, World Outreach Church, Mark and Janet Brzee's church, where we attended while we were there. Somebody came up to David and asked him, he said this, Liz and I were out of town, so we weren't at church. And so they asked David, they said, hey, can I ask you a question about Brother Larry? And David said, sure, Brother Larry's, uh, uh, Brother David's known us ever since we preached in Pastor Mark's church in 1983. Brother David at that time started volunteering to do our monthly newsletter. And uh, so he started working as a volunteer many years. And then years and years later, he moved to Tulsa. And then we hired him. And he was on staff for many years. But anyway, somebody walked up to David and said, can I ask you something about Brother Larry? And he said, sure. And uh, the guy said, is he for real? (laughs) And Brother David was telling me the story. He He said, I really didn't know what what to think of what that question was. What do you mean? Is he real? And, and, and so David was a little puzzled and he said, well, what do you mean? And the guy said, well, you know, you know, he's always happy and he's always smiling and he's always praising God. And, and is that just to put on at church? But that's, you know, not, you know, when he's going through all the junk and stuff, he's really not like that. And brother David said, no, I've known him ever since 1983 for 30 some years. When this guy asked him, he said, for 30 some years, I've known brother Larry. No, what you see is what you get. He doesn't change. He preaches what he lives. He lives what he preaches. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus. The word works when you do it. I've just gotten so confident in him that I'm not taking my eyes off Jesus because I'm not, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, I'm not sufficient as of to think anything of myself. My sufficiency is of God. So I I just don't, you know, I just thank God. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep speaking. We believe, this says right here, and notice what it's called, the spirit of faith. There's something that I've watched, people like your pastor and uh, some other friends of ours and like Andrew Womack and people that I've started getting closer to, I've watched people with the spirit of faith and it's just something, it's just they, they won't quit, they won't change what they believe, they won't change what they say, I don't care if come hell or high water, I don't care what it feels like, looks like, bless God, God said it, that settles it. It kind of takes it a step further than what we Pentecostals. Back in the 70s when I first came in, the charismatic uh, you know, movement and all that stuff, when that what is happening, we used to have this saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But the truth came along after that, God said it, and that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, it's already settled. And if you believe that, then I knew what we meant. God said it, I believe it now, settled in my life. But we've got to come to the place where whether you believe it or not, if God said it, it's forever settled in heaven. It'll never pass away. It's not going to change. And God said it to settle it for you so you could rest. And rest is where faith, the spirit of faith, thrives. Because my resting in what Jesus did means I have no confidence in the flesh, is what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians and told us, the Galatians. I have no confidence in my flesh. I have no confidence in what I've done or or me not doing something and not doing this and doing this. I have no confidence in that. My confidence is completely in Jesus. (laughs) Wow. What a rest it is when you don't have to look at self. Amazing. I don't have to look at self. And then here's the cool thing, because, you know, some people t- talk about, well, then, you know, you're talking about grace, and you not have to do anything, and that means, can you just go live in sin, and then just, no, you won't be resting if you live in sin. No, that's true. 
Titus 2.11 says that grace shows us that we live righteously, pure, and holy before God. So when you're truly basing your life on the finished work of Jesus, you live holier by accident than people ever tried on purpose. (laughs) You do. You live holy. I was talking to Pastor Tony and Patsy Caminetti. They um, pioneered Rama, um, Rama Singapore before they went to Rama Australia and pioneered that work. But anyway, when they were in Singapore, they happened to attend for a few years. They attended Joseph Prince's church. And they said, you know, he's gotten a bad, bad rap and bad name with some people in the Word of Faith, different movements and stuff. And he said, but, you know, we got, we got to witness the people's lives in the church. And he said, to be honest, Brother Tony told me this personally. He said, to be honest, Larry, he said, I've never been to a church where I see people that walk in more holiness and purity and godliness than the people in his church. Because they got a hold of the true grace message, not sleazy grace. They got in the grace message that makes you live pure and holy right before God because of his righteousness in you, not because you're right and that you've earned anything. And then, then you end up dying to self. When you're dead to self, you're in arrest. <laughs> yeah. Man, this is so good. We need to go about three, four more days here. No? <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, thank you, Lord. Come on, let's lift up our hands and just thank God for a minute. Lord, we just want to thank you. Your word is so good. Lord, we're, we're, we're putting these two parts together now this morning and tonight. Now we can see how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stayed in rest even when it looked terrible, even when it sounded terrible, even when it felt terrible, I'm sure, as they got closer to the fire. Lord, they rested, and they changed the king's word. They changed the government's word with the king of king's word. And so, Lord, we vow we're going to stay in rest. We are growing from faith to faith. From faith to faith. The way we started is the way we finish. And everything in between is we go from faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. So from faith to faith, we're going to stay in rest in what Jesus has already completed for us. He's already bore all of our sin, sickness, and disease. He bore our poverty. He bore our lack. He bore our depression. He bore our anxiety attacks. He bore our discouragement, depression. He bore our our frustrations. He bore all of our guilt and all of our shame. He bore all of our worries and all of our stress. He bore it all. My anger, my bad temper. He bore it all. Thank you, Lord. You bore it all. So we don't have to. And now we put our faith with that. And Lord, I encourage, I, I encourage everyone here tonight, and I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them and show them to, to uh, let this tongue not start fires in their lives, but put them out. <laughs> but that it would start the fire of the Holy Ghost, that's fine, but, but that, your word, that your word would come out of their tongue, that their tongue would be the mixer to their faith that would cause them to rest. And then be able to come boldly with confidence and assurance to the throne of grace and receive everything they need no matter what the time is. Thank you for that, Lord. Reveal, reveal to everyone how to rest and stay in that rest and be diligent to stay in that rest. And that rest is about the finished works that were finished from the foundation of the world. Thank you, Father. Open our eyes. Help us to all see that clearly. No matter what comes down the pipe from government, from viruses, uh, more viruses, whatever sicknesses come, we don't have to be afraid of anything or anyone. Psalm 27, 1, Lord, you are our light and our salvation. Of whom shall we fear? You are the strength of our life. Of whom shall we be afraid? Psalm 118, verse 6, the Lord is on our side. We shall not fear what man shall do to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say, use your mixer, say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man can do to me. I'll not fear what government. I'll not fear what society. I'll not fear what banks. I'll not fear what a new money system. I'll not fear anything that can be done to me because God's on my side. Mix your faith with that mixer. 
Stay in rest, says the Lord. Stay in rest. Stay, stay, be diligent to remain. That's what I meant. Stay, stay, stay in rest. Stay in what's already done from the foundation of the world. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. The devil's going to try and pull you out of that place called there. Stay there. Stay there in my rest. Remain in my rest. There remains a rest for my people, saith the Lord. So you stay there. You stay there. And then any need that comes along, you'll just have boldness and confidence to come to me. If you need mercy, you'll get mercy. If you need grace, you'll get grace because you're resting in what I've already done. And I'll watch over my word that comes out of the mixer, out of your mouth. I'll watch it and I'll make sure it comes to pass in your life, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Honey, you got anything? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Worship you, Lord. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Father, I pray for boldness. For everyone here, boldness. Paul, the Apostle Paul said, pray for me that I'd have boldness to open my mouth and make known the mystery of the gospel. So, Lord, I'm praying for every one of us to have boldness, boldness to speak your word. Boldness to proclaim the good news. Boldness to stand up for Jesus in the midst of a perverse world. Boldness to speak truth when it doesn't sound good or feel good, but we'll speak it. And of course, Lord God, we'll speak it because we love the people. We don't hate people. We love them so much that we'll speak the truth. It may convict. It may cause them to hate us. They hated you, Jesus. And you actually said that because they hated you, they're going to hate us. That's because we're going to speak the truth in love just like you did. And people that hate, they don't like love coming against them. So, Lord, give us boldness to speak the truth in love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if somebody watching or somebody present, but I heard, I heard the Lord say, I'm healing ulcers. I'm healing ulcers. So I don't, you know, that can be, ulcers are more than just, a lot of times people think just stomach, and it could be that, that's fine. But it could be an ulcer somewhere else. You can, there are ulcers of the eyes. So wherever, if somebody's uh, right here right now, been having a problem with ulcers go ahead and receive that word right now and just take it and say thank you Lord I received that right now and if you're watching live stream you just take it right now and then um, uh, just experience that go ahead and thank God for it and uh, the next day or two when you see hey yeah God did heal me of those ulcers I'm totally healed then go ahead and contact the church and let them know we'd like to hear your praise report and testimony praise God thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Father God thank you Father God Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is there someone here? Look up here at me, everybody. Is there someone here like when you when you do this pain pain shoots through your arms somebody here I don't know if it's like an arthritis or uh, what it is is there somebody here there's one person somebody else another person okay 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. And if you're watching, just um, you stretch out your hand. Y'all that just laid your hand, put your, put your hands out like this and just take hold. Just I want you to go from this position. Those of you watching too, if, if this is you, you have pain in your arms when you do that, when you move like that. I want you to go from this position. Now watch this because healing power is going to flow when you do this. So watch this. Here's what's going to happen. If you've had pain in your arms, make sure they're out like this. Now watch. We're going to go from this position to this position. Watch this. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, healing power is flowing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah, pain's leaving. Pain's leaving. Whether it's arthritis, whatever kind of itis or whatever kind of pain, you're leaving their bones and their muscles, their tendons, ligaments. You're leaving now. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. If that's you, go ahead and start moving your arms and moving your hands and watch it. You'll be thanking God. Look, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Same with you. We want to hear from you now. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, hallelujah. Can Liz get a mic, Pastor? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I keep hearing the word blood. Um, if anybody's got something wrong in their blood, wrong their blood, the blood system, just receive that right now. Just lift up your hands and thank God. Thank the you, Lord. Any blood is in the blood. Any blood, Any condition, blood condition, blood yes, problem yes. right now in Jesus' Any blood name. condition. Is, yes. The life is in the blood. Amen? Yes. And the life of Jesus is in thank your you, blood. So that blood has to be completely whole yes. and healed in Jesus name yes. completely normal no um, hindrances in that blood yes no abnormality yes in yes. Jesus name Amen. yes everybody everybody say I receive that I receive it I yes. receive that my blood is healed healthy whole normal circulating the way it's supposed to no hindrances no blockages Everything flowing right, no malfunctions, the liver, the kidneys, every part, heart, every part functioning in the blood flow to the brain, to every part flowing. Come on, let's receive this. This is a, a word from God right here. Blood, blood, blood. The life is in the blood, so flowing. Even to extremities, some of you have had numbness. I'm hearing that now. This applies to what Liz was just saying. Numbness, you need that blood to circulate into the feet, to the toes, the ankles. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive it, Lord. We receive it, Lord. Life, life, life in the blood. The life of Jesus. You've already done, you've already done it, Lord, so we thank you. It's done. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen.